that's why there's such a problem with uh, dependencies and addictions and bad habits. Um, we're substituting those things for those momentary superficial hits of the light when we can have the real light all the time by learning how to just go inward and ask for it. It's that simple. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversations with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. You can find out more about my work as an intuitive guide and teacher at karenhager.com. Now then, I've been thinking a lot about how the negative things we experience and the way we see things as negative or positive can come to shape the way that we see ourselves and other people and the path in front of us. When I get scared or things get upended for me, I have a tendency to try to distract myself or by using old coping habits, and they aren't that great at even helping me cope, things like donuts, for example, as a coping strategy. Well, my guest on today's show is Dr. Donna Marks. She says that we can find the voice of love even when we're in pain or fear, and that there is a path to a healing moment that lets us use that pain or that fear as a doorway to happiness, meaning, and purpose. Are you ready to meet her? Dr. Donna Marks has been a licensed psychotherapist and addictions counselor in Palm Beach, Florida for more than 30 years. She developed a chemical dependency training program at Palm Beach Community College that has now grown into a four-year degree program and received the Florida Governor's Council Award. Dr. Marks is a certified Gestalt therapist, psychoanalyst, hypnotist, sex therapist, and teaches A Course in Miracles, along with sharing her methods with hundreds of thousands of listeners on podcasts and radio shows. Her new book is The Healing Moment, Seven Paths to Turn Messes into Miracles of Love. You can find out more about Dr. Marks and her work at drdonnamarks.com. That's drdonnamarks.com. Donna, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thank you for having me on, Karen. Oh, I'm glad you're here. <clears throat> I pulled something out of the book that really stuck with me. You say, we already have the light, like capital L. We already have the light that we seek. What do you mean by that? Well, the light is this feeling of self-love and joy and happiness and peace and contentment and all good things. And unfortunately, that light that we're born with often gets distinguished through life's experiences that are less than pleasant. And so that's part of the problem. The other part of the problem is that we're not taught to access this light. So what I want people to understand is that everything that you're looking for, and it's usually misplaced, you know, we're substituting all kinds of things for that light. Um, that's why there's such a problem with uh, dependencies and addictions and bad habits. Um, we're substituting those things for those momentary superficial hits of the light when we can have the real light all the time by learning how to just go inward and ask for it. It's that simple. Is there a feeling sometimes, I know that we hide our light or feel like we don't deserve to access it, which might be part of the donut issue because that mo that momentary little flash mm, that's good is almost immediately replaced by the f understanding wait that's not it that's not what i was after that's not helping 
Is there a feeling sometimes with people of not feeling like they don't deserve to access that light or it's there for everybody else, but not for them? Well, I think people aren't consciously doing that, um, but we all carry a certain amount of shame and guilt and remorse. And it's very important that with the light, we can forgive ourselves of whatever has happened. There is a process for going through that. And I don't want people to think that just because you're having a dark moment and you're not feeling overjoyed, that something's wrong. Uh, those darker moments, sometimes we have to just embrace and that's how the light comes in. You know, if you're in a dark cave and there's no light switch, you have to seek the light. You can't just instantly uh, expect it to, you know, the whole cave to open wide open. Uh, it's a process. But what you're saying here with the donut is you, you're, we get confused. What's happening is when I take that bite of the donut, it's not the donut that's doing anything for me. It's the sugar in the donut that's hitting a certain part of my brain and igniting it and giving me that endorphin high. So I'm confused that with the light, which is always available to make you feel ongoing good and without the remorse of weight gain or a sugar crash, or in the case of children, many children are um, suffering and misdiagnosed with ADHD and ADD and all of these other psychiatric diagnoses, when in fact, the biggest problem is often the food that they're eating that's causing neurochemical, uh, neurochemical irregularities or they're suffering some type of emotional issues that aren't being addressed. So I'm hearing you talk about the courage and the wisdom to go a bit deeper, to go beyond what the issue looks like it is on the surface. It's ADHD, it's obesity, it's whatever it is, and to get down to what's underneath. Well, I, I like it that you said that, you know, no one's ever said that to me. And I, I kind of live in that place of, of, deeper awareness, having uh, had many years of psychoanalysis and being a psychoanalyst myself, I always am looking into the deeper recesses of the unconscious. But this is much more serious than that. And it doesn't require <clears throat> psychoanalysis, which sometimes misses uh, this whole issue of, you know, what are we doing? Um, I think it's very unconscious on the one hand, but at the same time, it's so natural and normal to constantly be inundated with eat this, drink this, buy this, fall in love, get this, do that, uh, you know, the next best thing, the, the next great fix, uh, constant distractions. And it's not getting better. It's getting worse because, um, and I'm not saying anything is bad, by the way. I'm just trying to help answer the question here of being more aware. I don't know how deep you have to go. Just being more aware, I think it's the key here of how we're being programmed. Like if you don't feel okay, rather than deal with why you don't feel okay and what to do about it, fix it with the next quick fix. And it doesn't fix anything. In fact, it just creates us into automatons. Uh, and we're not really experiencing the full, beautiful richness and flavor of life. We're just bumping from one activity into the next. And there's that, there's that idea sometimes it's in like, uh, it's in health. And it's also, I see it sometimes in popular uh, spirituality or self-help that 
if you just do this one thing, that there's a there's a secret or there's a something, if you just do this, it'll be fine. And what I see in the work that I do is that people chase that, whatever that is, chase the secret. And then when they're not fine, feel like it's their fault for not being able to be fixed. And for me, I'm getting passionate now, but more damage is done by that kind of thinking and teaching people. Oh, have a problem. Here's the fix. Say these three words, turn around three times, follow this teacher. It goes, our our beauty and our light and our individuality goes so much deeper than that. And if you listening find yourself not fixed, in quotes, there's, as you're saying, I think, Dr. Marsh, there's light even in that not fixed place. And from that place of light, you can grow. You can heal from that place. Gosh, you got a little sermonette there. Got all yeah, excited. But, uh, but that's good. And, you know, recovery, I think you're alluding to, you know, recovery, whether it's mental health or addictions, <clears throat> and people go for help. And we need to understand that we didn't get this way overnight, so it takes time. Uh, these programs offer a toolbox, and it's a very effective toolbox. And sometimes people will reach in the toolbox and they say, well, you know, I like the screwdriver, but I really don't like the hammer and nails or the saw, so I'm just going to use a screwdriver. And then they wonder why they don't get the results. Yeah. I'm sure you find the same thing when you're working with people. You have a toolbox or a kit or ideas or suggestions. And when they select what they like and don't like, then you can't really assure them of the kind of results. So I think all things are good for, for accessing the light. And I, I don't mean like go into, uh, you know, any sources of the dark side. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about, you know, self-help and spirituality and recovery groups and therapy and things like that. It's all good. But first of all, you have to be patient you know, you plant a seed in the ground. And like I talk about in the healing moment book, you, you can't sit there and watch it. You know, you, you'll be exhausted after three days, probably, you know, four or five days, you'll see a little green sprout come up and then you don't want to be pulling on it. And, you know, our, our growth is the same way. And of course, the longer we've been buried down deep, you know, that seed is down deep under layers and layers of dirt it's going to take a little bit longer, but that doesn't mean that it's not germinating. It doesn't mean that it's not working. So we really need to be patient and also recognize that it's a process and that uh, when you access the light, you realize that you are growing. When, when you decide to grow, the minute you decide to grow, you're growing and you don't have to see those green sprouts to know that it's true. That's very powerful. The moment you decide that you're growing, you're growing. Yes. Mm. How do you define a healing moment? What is a healing moment? Well, I call it, it's that moment where you turn the switch on inside your mind <clears throat> and you say, something's not right here. Something's not working. Well, what am I doing? And you get the answer. <laughs> mm. And, you know, I hear it all the time. I've been in this field for several decades and I hear it all the time. And the people who succeed listen when they get that moment of inspiration, that moment of awareness, and they follow through with whatever comes to them. Uh, my last healing moment, uh, my biggest healing moment, not my last, was when I had uh, been in uh, recovery for many, many years and had relapsed. 
and I had done all the things, you know, like you're saying earlier, I did all the things and I didn't think that I was getting better. In fact, I thought I was getting worse. And so I said, what the heck, I must be doing all this wrong. And I threw it all away. And on my last night of, of drinking, uh, I was railing at God, you know, why can't, you know, why can't I get this? Why don't you love me? What, you know, why is all this, da, 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 you know, just ridiculous uh, blame and all. And it came to me so clearly, you know, it's not me that doesn't love you. You don't love yourself. And that was a huge healing moment for me because I had never really contemplated what that meant before. It was one of those words, like everything else, that I just took for granted and I was always searching for and never finding because I did not know what it meant. And so once I really contemplated with the light what that means, I had a total shift in my whole way of thinking and being that has been with me ever since. That was over a decade ago. And uh, I have that ongoing joy, but it was a huge question and a huge answer that really turned my life totally around. Are, are everyone's healing moments that big? Are there little ones? Oh, lots of little ones. Uh, it can be something from someone pulls out in front of you and just, you know, asking for help. Like, I, I don't want to be mad at this person. <laughs> what can I do differently? And a lot of times, you know, I, I, I my healing moments are full of humor usually. And, uh, you know, like, when haven't you driven like that? <laughs> you know? And, how, you know, how about having some compassion? You know, if they're in a big hurry, that's really stressful. It's really stressful to be in a big hurry. So having compassion for that person rather than anger, you know, th these kinds of little things can be huge in terms of your peace of mind. You're listening to Out of the Fog, and I'm talking with Dr. Donna Marks. Her new book is The Healing Moment, Seven Paths to Turn Messes into Miracles of Love. You can find out more about Dr. Marks and her work at drdonnamarks.com. That's drdonnamarks.com. In your practice one of one of the questions so when usually when people are going to be guests on the show their publicists will send over some questions for me to look at before i talk to the person and one of the questions on this list is and it kind of made me laugh do you think that spirituality has a place in psychotherapy practice and i read that and i kind of smiled i think what i'd really like to ask you is is it possible to have a psychotherapy practice without spirituality how in your work over these decades with people is there a, you can't connect without spirituality, can you? Well, uh, that's, that's a, you know, spirituality is a, is a word that sometimes people confuse with the word religion mm -hmm. and religion can be an addiction in itself where I go to get fixed and I might even get feeling good because it's a question and it's a search but sometimes there's a great deal of disappointment. Mm -hmm. Spirituality and psychotherapy go hand in hand. If you look at it from the perspective that uh, there's a teacher and a student and they're the same. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so when, so yes. when the, the therapist is also learning from the student and the student is learning from the, the therapist, they have uh, a goal there of, of uh, even though it's the patient that's coming in, the goal there is healing. And so they have that opportunity as the relationship gets 
real and it always will get real like any other relationship. They will be presented with the opportunity to walk away, to stop or to to bring in those miracles of working through it together and getting on the other side of it because relationships are really the hallmark of everything. If we, you know, you if, if you think that you're going to be uh, spiritually evolved as a loner, it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. It works through sharing your light with other people and merging that light and coming through dark times as a pair and not separate. So yes, psychotherapy is, is a, a very important spiritual process, but not in the traditional sense that one might think. It's more of an applied spirituality than reading a book or going on a mountaintop and that that kind of thing. It's transformation of self and being willing to be engaged and stay engaged no matter how uncomfortable or how inconvenient it becomes. Mm -hmm. I love that. And that takes a kind of discipline that is different, strikes me as different from the kind of discipline asked of us when we do those fixes. Um, Only use the screwdriver, use it every day. Everything will be fine. I promise you that willingness to stay with each other and to stay with ourselves, to stay with our light, even as it seems difficult or impossible, or it gets real and uncomfortable, that takes a kind of discipline that can get missed or sometimes not valued it seems to me, as we talk about pathways to healing. Yes. And sometimes people in the healing profession are the worst because we think we know. And so (laughs) we, you know, we allow our our judgments to override that deeper uh, opportunity to work it out. And um, it's really important to, to be able to stay permeable, to stay engaged and to stay committed uh, until there at least is uh, the closure of, you know, we agree, this is what we engage to, to do, and we f- have a sense of completion about that now. And uh, I'm not suggesting that people stay forever and ever and ever, but, you know, if people can afford it, it certainly would be a gift to be able to do that. Um, my my last therapist I was with 13 years, um, unfortunately, after I stopped, she passed away. I would have loved to have gone back and done some more work with her. But, you know, that's another lesson. We don't always have forever. We forget that time will continue with or without us. So every moment is the opportunity for a healing moment. And every single situation is an opportunity to turn on the light It's just a matter of as if you're in a dark room and you go over and turn on the light switch. It's a matter of asking for help from that light in any situation. When you talk about people turning their their messes into miracles of love, how do we do that? Well, no matter what you've done or what you've been through or what you're going through, if you can pull the meaning out of that, and there always is. Uh, for example, I was raised in, uh, with addiction, and it really did a number on me, um, not just the addiction, but the behaviors that went along with that, which were very damaging to my very young and tender and sensitive self-esteem at that uh, very early age. 
And then uh, I, I swore I would never, you know, be like those people. And I turned out like those people. And then <clears throat> there was always two sides of me running, one that wanted to do better. I always knew I would be a therapist. And then the other side that was repeating those same types of behaviors. I swore I'd never marry someone with addictions. I did. You know, I swore I'd never have them. I had them. I swore I'd never work in the field. <laughs> and when I started in the field, Everybody that came in had addictions. And so, you know, I didn't see the humor in that at the time. I really felt like I, it was a curse. Uh, and even when I got into recovery, it didn't really make, none of it really made sense to me on, on that level. However, when I had my healing moment uh, over a decade ago and I started contemplating my life and what love meant, I then realized it was revealed to me that this was not accidental. This was intentional. How could I turn all of that big, one huge life mess into the miracle of love? Well, first of all, I really now believe that I chose to, to come into this life. I chose to experience mental health problems and addiction problems on every level as a child, as a mother, as a partner, and myself, and the full gamut, uh, in, including working with people in the field. So once I recognized that and I was able to embrace it, it gave me a, a, an unbelievable amount of experience from every perspective, from the codependent to the addict, to the parent, to the partner. I mean, it didn't matter. I got a full spectrum. There's no book that will that would provide that to me. The education was fine, but that, that certainly didn't prepare me to be able to truly understand what people are going through and how to help them to the fullest if I had not been through those types of experiences. So no matter what the mess is, it can be turned into good. And one of the things I teach people who suffer from addiction is that addiction, you've learned a lot. You've learned a lot from that addiction. Let's just take someone who has a food addiction. They know more about food than anybody and they can convert all that learning into good becoming um, gourmet chefs, becoming health chefs. Uh, I have one uh, person I know who wrote a cookbook on sugar-free desserts that are wonderful and delicious because she has a sugar addiction. So no matter what you've done, uh, you can convert all of those experiences into helping other people. And that's the biggest miracle of all. And that there is, there is good in you, no matter what the mess is. It's that light again. There is good in you and you can become aware and open up and operate from that place of good. Not from a place of perf like perfection or always getting it right or seamless or shiny, but from the real good that's in you. Yes, to allow the light within you to inspire you to transform any situation into a miracle. In the book, which to me is applied spirituality, practical, there are exercises at the end of the chapters. There are things that we can do, ways that we can learn. So the subtitle is Seven Paths to Turn Messes into Miracles of Love. Is there one of those seven paths that is the most important or, or your favorite? Well, I like the one on uh, control. <laughs> because I think that we become so fearful that we are trying to constantly control things. And what I talk about in that particular chapter is that the most important thing you will ever control is yourself. 
And so every time I have the desire to control something or someone outside of me, if I rein that energy back towards myself and ask the uh, light to help me, then I can begin to really transform in a way that produces joy instead of this feeling like people are stupid, the world is evil, the world's upside down, everything's wrong. No, 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 no. <laughs> I can turn it back into myself of how can I make my world better? How can I be a better service? How can I be a better human being? How can I be more understanding? How can I walk through my own fears and correct my own behaviors that aren't serving me or other people? That's really where uh, I, I believe that, you know, love is an action word. And when I'm seeking to control myself instead of the world, uh, and it's understandable that we do try to do that because we're trying to protect ourselves, but there is no protection. Uh, and that's in the book too, how to best protect yourself um, by recognizing there, that no one will ever take better care of you than you take care of yourself. No one will ever love you more than you love yourself. And no one will ever be more trustworthy than yourself. So these are the tools in the toolbox that help people to not only access the light, but to continue to use the light to help them to grow. What would you say to someone listening right now who is looking for a thing they can do, maybe in this moment, in the next five minutes, in the next day, to help them start to listen to that voice of love, listen to light, instead of listening to fear? or to feel into that place of growth and healing instead of feeling back into that place of the donut or the constriction or the old pattern. So just to, um, you know, I personally like to get on my knees because then I feel like I'm humbling myself to the universal energy, hmm. but to even just close your eyes and say, I don't know, what can I learn? And, and just say, if there's light in me, please help me. And don't expect firecrackers and, and uh, you know, northern lights and all that. <laughs> Sometimes it's just a, you, you might just sit there for a moment and you might think nothing happened, but then you might feel calmer. It could be just something as simple as that. And the more you practice it, the more benefit you'll get. And it is a matter of like learning to play the piano. You must practice to get better and better. You know, you can read 50,000 books on how to play the piano and you really won't play much better from the first book to the 50th thousandth book unless you practice what you're reading so this is this is uh we didn't get this way overnight so the more you practice the faster the results and that's the key i love that and at least in my own experience that practice can be a joy Absolutely. Instead of a chore, right? Oh, it can oh be yes, good. yes. And the more you practice, the more joy you receive. So the more, the better you get at it, the more you want to do it. I love it. Where can people go to find out more about your work and your teaching and find the book, all that good stuff? Where can they find you? So my website is www.drdonnamarks.com. And there are lots of resources on there. We also have a subscription now uh, for private members. It's very, very reasonable. It includes a monthly webinar that, that's included in that private membership. 
And uh, there's all kinds of resources on the web that they can learn as well. The book is available on Simon Schuster's website, Barnes and Noble and Amazon, as well as most bookstores. Wonderful. Dr. Donna Marks, thank you. It was, thank you for coming to talk to us. Thank you. Oh, and Karen, thank you so much. It was a pleasure meeting you and being on your show. So much fun. That is Dr. Donna Marks. Her new book is The Healing Moment, Seven Paths to Turn Messes into Miracles of Love. And you can find out more at drdonnamarks.com. That's drdonnamarks.com. You can check out that subscription option and take a look at the resources that are available for you there. And of course, you're always welcome over at karenhager.com. It's a great place to find out about upcoming classes and events. You can even book a private intuitive session with me there if it feels aligned. And you can find me on Instagram where I'm sharing jigsaw puzzles and things I find on my walks with the dog and, and out of the fog content as well. I'm Fog City Psychic on Instagram. Thank you for listening today. Together, we are spreading a little more light in the world. And a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace.